You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Perspective is a radio program that examines contemporary issues in a unique spiritual perspective based on the principles of the Baha'i Faith. For information on the Baha'i Faith specifically, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B A H A I dot O R G. Or you can call the toll free number 1 800 22 Unite. I recorded a conversation with Sita Ruhi a Baha'i and preschool teacher who lives in Holyoke with her husband, Bayar, and their three kids, Anis, Izat, and Carmel. Anis was with us at the beginning of the conversation, giving his mom some support. To begin the conversation, I asked Sita where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. I, I was born in India, in north of India. It's called Sikkim. It's the border of India, Nepal. It's a very beautiful place. It's all mountain, cold. Uh, lots of snow and hailstone. Culture is like uh, Nepalese culture. Uh, Nepalese and Indian culture is mixed together. In our culture, we have lots of uh, caste system. I really didn't, don't like those uh, systems. My parents, he, my father is a tailor, so when you're, they distinguish your uh, caste. Uh, according to your work, so my father was a tailor, so we uh, uh, we count as untouchable. Oh, really? So it was it was a very very hard uh, life. When I was in school, I has I have supposed to sit back of this classroom. I had very few friends because uh, because of cultural belief they don't want to be next to me, and I had very few friends. I was not allowed to go to their house because we count as an untouchable. I have a very, very small village. People, they speak Nepalese there, and the culture and everything is like Nepal. We have very good uh, connection with the neighbors. We are, not suppo- we are not allowed to go to inside their house because it's because of the caste system, mm-hmm. but we have very good relationship with, with the neighbors mm-hmm. from far. Okay, so... The village was not all one caste. No, no it was no. all intermixed with different, different levels castes, of yeah. caste. And what are the levels of caste there? There were Brahmins. And who uh, are they? Brahmins are the people who allowed to study about the Hindu holy book, mm-hmm. and they are the only one who can go inside the temple and study about the holy writings, and they are allowed to teach about the holy writings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another one, another is called Chatriyas. They are the people who can, they are the medium caste. They are allowed to go for war. Mm-hmm. And another one is um, untouchable, which is they are not allowed to go in the te- inside the temple. Mm-hmm. That time when I was growing up, and right now I probably has changed everything. Oh, it has? You yes. think yeah. it has been completely eliminated at this no, point? Not, not completely, but some level. Because right now all the, especially the nowadays, they send the women to school. Okay. Maybe because of the education. Once the people are educated, they know the caste system is not from God. It's just men made. And especially the youth right now, they're not into so much caste system. You said the untouchables weren't allowed to go into the temple, but you could somehow practice your religion? And what was your religion before? Uh, I was Hindu before. So you were able to practice it in a house of worship in in your village? The untouchable people, they have their own priests. Mm -hmm. And these priests are not allowed to go to the Brahmin's temple. Okay. Within their society, they have their own priest, and and he will say what to do. Okay, so you but if you want to go to temple, so it's it's I don't know it's kind of funny for me because if you want to go to temple, you can take whatever you want, but they don't allow you to come inside the temple. But they will take you whatever you bring for them. Ah, okay, so and you can make a gift to the gift temple. to them, but okay. you cannot go inside and it's just a statue, you know, it's just a statue there. But they don't allow you to go inside. Mm-hmm. 
when I was growing, it was like that. But probably right now it's changed. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, I remember my parents used to go to temple. We used to go. They didn't allow us to come inside the temple to worship. But they took whatever we, you know, the money or the fruits or the clothes. They, the priest came and took from the door. And they told us to stay outside. And mm-hmm. he did all the worship and he just... Did you do any chanting? Yeah, when we behind? yes, we when we have like you know in the house we do like prayer or something, and we have their own priest coming and and we do puja and all. So that time, we all family we have to sit together and we have to chant the prayer together. Okay. All right. So had you finished school? Finished all grade. I was working in in one of the factory that mm. time. What were you doing in the factory? I work in a factory. They made watch. Mm-hmm. And that was right in the village, too? Yeah, close to my house. You were little? Go ahead. Were you little when you... See, I started working when I was 15 years old. Okay. I finished my 10th grade when I was 15. So then you stopped school when you were 15? Yes. Because of um, financial problem in the house. I was the older one. When you're older in your culture, you have lots of responsibility to your parents or the brother and sister. So I needed to work and make money to support my parents. Mm-hmm. Then I start going to school after 10th grade. Then I start working and helping my parents. Mm-hmm. When, when I met a Baha'i lady that we used to rent a house, she was a Baha'i. She told me one day that let's go to Baha'i school. And I didn't know that Baha'i Baha'i is the name of the religion that time. Mm-hmm. I thought there was the school. Name of the school is Baha'i School. Mm-hmm. And she knew knew that I I used to chant prayer. So she told me, Why did you come and to Baha'i school and chant some prayer? I'll teach mm-hmm. you some prayer. So I went there. I when I went there and I saw a picture of Abdul Baha. He's the son of Baha'u'llah. Mm-hmm. Then when I saw his picture, then I remember I dreamed about him when, when I was not Baha'i that time. Mm-hmm. Then I I couldn't remember that time exactly it was him. But when I went home, then I was keep on thinking, I saw this man, I don't know where. Then I remember I saw him in my dream. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see his face, but I know his hat, his clothes. So then I became Baha'i without knowing anything about Baha'i. I had no clue about Baha'i faith. Who was Baha'u'llah? I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I just became Baha'i because I really, when I went there, I felt welcome from everyone. Mm-hmm. I never felt that in, in Hindu temple. I never felt that in, in, in church. I used to go to church. I had so many Christian friends. They, they were friends, though they were Christian. And when I went to Christian church, they don't ask about caste. That's what I like about it. So I used to go to church. But I somehow I didn't feel welcome anyway. Mm. So when I went to the Baha'i school, I felt very welcome. And nobody asked me, you know, what caste you are mm. or anything about anything. And most, most important thing I like about it is they feed you a lot. <laughs> Always there is food. And they always welcome anywhere you go. There's food. Mm. That that was fun. The same people. I mean, was this in your village? Yes. Okay. So these were the same people, but somehow they were different in some way. When you went to the, you noticed something different about yes. them, and it was mostly because of this this not caring about who was what. Cast. Yeah. yeah, they didn't care about like who I was. Like they didn't care about how how educated I am. They didn't care about uh, how my caste. They didn't care about how I look. Mm-hmm. They just care about me that I just came to their house and, and they welcomed me. Mm-hmm. That's all. And how old were you when you became? 20, 21, like that. 20, 21? Yeah. Oh, when I became Baha'i, because when you become Baha'i, you have to go for a youth gathering and feast and uh, meetings. I used to come with other people you know, at night my parents didn't like that, and even my village, whole village, they didn't like that. And they told me, they told whole, uh, they told my parents that your daughter is doing something bad. They didn't say. They said she comes at night with bunch of people, and it was girls and boys. You know, they always bring you at home and safe. You're safe. They just drop me, and but they didn't think that. They thought I, I'm very bad woman now. I became bad woman. So they told my parents. Uh, uh, you you have to tell your daughter she needs to leave. She has to go from the village, otherwise she's going to spoil all our daughters. Well, what about the other Baha'is in the village? That time, there was uh, very less. Uh, they told me because I think I was, I was not you know like I was 
um, not rich. You know, my parents are very poor. And that, I think, if I think about right now, that is the main thing. And another one, I was not the higher caste, maybe, uh, the money and the caste, that's the main thing. Because I have friend, Shoba, my best friend, she also became a hive. But she lived like from, like, five minutes from my house. I never heard, nobody told her those things, but only they told me to leave from the village because um, I'm becoming, I'm not good for the other, other girls in the village. I'm, I was not a good example. So then um, my parents and I said, okay, I will, I said, okay, I'll go. So I, I went to the school and asked, I told them, I told the school that I have, uh, I really like Baha'i faith. I really, really like, one thing I like about Baha'i faith was equality between uh, between men and women. I, I never heard that in any other religion before. And I love that equality between men and women. So that, that's the one reason I became behind. So I told my parents, and they said, and they told me that I have to leave. I said, okay, I'll leave. So I went to school, and I told them I have to leave, but... Uh, no, what uh, school? Because... Baha'i school. It was, oh, it's a Baha'i school. Baha'i. And okay, all right. There's a big Baha'i school there, and mm -hmm. they, they have hostel there. And they told me, okay, you want to work? Um, in the you want you want to be a teacher in 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 kindergarten, not preschool, and plus you have to stay in the hostel and you have to do tuition and everything. I said yes, why not? So I went there and lived there for almost five years. I I thought then I now how far away from the village were you? It was very close. Yeah, like, it's like there's like her house is like on the bottom part of the mountain, mm -hmm. and you take like a road up, and the top on the is top the there's school? a school behind oh, okay. school. If you stand, you can see whole yeah, you can see village. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Like that. All right. And, um, but, um, my, especially my mom was not happy that I left. She, she knew that I was doing the right thing because she knew that I was not doing anything bad. But my father and all, they said no. So I left and I, I lived in the school for five years. But I never, ever even thought that, you know, I, I always helped my parents. I always send money every month. I went and visited them every week. Then afterwards, they knew my village people. You know, though, they knew that I was really not doing a bad thing. It was it was very hard for me because um, telling people, you know, you know them from your childhood, mm -hmm. and suddenly they they they're telling. They told me that I was not. I'm not a good girl. Right. I'm becoming bad because I come at night time. Right. And all these things. Right. It was very it was very sad situation. But I never. I never stopped doing my responsibility to my parents. Mm -hmm. I never had like responsibility to my neighbors. I whenever I go home, I go and say hello. Although they didn't like me, I, I went upstairs, downstairs, say hello, how are you? And I used to take Sunday school there, children class. Mm -hmm. And they send the children class. They send my my neighbor send the children to children class there. But I don't know why they said I was um, not, a not doing a uh, good person. Let me backtrack a little bit. What was it like in your household? My dad, because of the pressure of the society also, because um, you live in society and and society, they don't like what you're doing. My parents probably they didn't like, they knew that I was not a, not a bad girl, mm -hmm. but because of society, they cannot say. Mm -hmm. I wish they could have said something, you know, but they could not, but they had to live in the society. But I was not scared. I said, okay, you want me to go, I'll go. Because I knew myself inside my heart, and I was not doing anything bad. And I knew that in, in one day, the result will be good. Okay, so you were at the school for five years? Yes. And then what happened? So I was teaching there for five years, and, um, and one day, the, another, another place called uh, Panchkani, which is, they have a big Baha'i Institute there, they were asking... Now how far away is that? It's like uh, far away, I don't know, in miles, but it, it was two days and two nights in the train okay. to go my, my place to that place. Mm -hmm. So they were asking all the Baha'i schools, they, they wanted a Baha'i teachers, although there are lots of non-Baha'i Baha'i teachers there. They were asking a Baha'i teachers to come to the institute and um, study about the Baha'i education, what the Baha'i writing says about education. So I applied and they accepted that and they paid, the school paid everything for me. I was not, you know, it was very expensive for me and they paid for everything. Mm -hmm. Then I went for one, one, year, one, one year, then I met my husband. Mm -hmm. So tell me the story about how you met your husband. <laughs> I met him, it was funny. 
he went there for a year of service uh, to the same institute that I was I was student. Mm-hmm. So believe it or not, I I used to tell him, sir, for a whole year, one one year of marriage, I used to tell him, sir, <laughs> because in India, when you are you work someplace and you cannot say the name because the cultural thing, mm-hmm. we have to say. Sir or Madam, so I, I told him Sir for many years. My dormitory was other side of the building, and he lived on other side of the building. So one day his aunt was teasing him with another girl. I was walking, uh, then he opened the door, and I was just walking, and I, he had no clue who I was. He had no, he didn't know anything about me, and I didn't know anything about him. I just knew he's the staff of that institute, and he knew that I was the student of the institute. So the, his aunt was teasing him so much. He just opened the door. And I was coming down, and he said, "No, I'm. I'm not. I'm. That's not my girlfriend. I'm going to marry that girl." And I was coming down, and he had no clue who I was. Then, when he said that, and he aunt knew me, because he aunt knew me from from place I was born, you know. So he brought she brought him inside, and she. Oh, let me interrupt saying, you for one second. How did his aunt have any kind of relationship with the village you came from? Because his aunt's sister-in-law lives in Sikkim, who has the uh, school there. So uh, his aunt used to come and visit there all the time. Okay. So then when they, they came there, we used to get together in all the Baha'is, and she was such a nice lady. Mm-hmm. And whenever she saw me, always told him, I have very special feeling about you. She always told me. And I ne- never knew her name. She never knew so her name. even before you met Before Bayer. I met Bayer. Yeah. So when he pointed at me, because she knew about me, because we were Baha'i and we, we always met whenever she came and then she started, she cried for a half an hour. Then she told Bayar, my husband, that she's such a nice girl, I don't know what she said. Then he started thinking about me. You know, okay. when you talk, when people talk so right. much about the person you want to know. Right. So then he started asking about me to other people, other friends. Whenever I would come down, like, you know, my class was very close to his, his uh, room. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would come, if he would come outside and say, what's your name? How many brothers and sisters you have? I, I would say, I don't know. I, I would tell him, I don't know any English. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> and um, Which wasn't true. Which was not true because he, he used to ask me so many questions. So I thought I just don't. I, and I feel so irritated at him. I said, I don't want to. So whenever he would, I would see his car or bike, I would run inside my dormitory because I just don't want to deal with him anymore. Uh, and his, his aunt, another, another cousin, was uh, in charge of my dormitory. So they have relations, and he told that he liked me and he wants me to, to come outside so he can talk to me because in India, you're not allowed to talk with the boys and all this stuff. So, but because of her. So she told me Monday, Bayer wants to... Why don't you go to Baha'i Center? Because there's, we, we, we live close to Baha'i Center. Mm-hmm. Bayer wants to talk to you. And I, I told why he wants to talk to me. She said, just go. It's my permission. and go. Nobody will say anything. So I went there, and he asked me, he wants to marry me. And I thought, oh, my God. And I told him, and I thought myself, oh, my, I will just say yes, because after 11 days, I'm going to go to Sikkim, to my parents' house. Uh-huh. He doesn't know where Sikkim is. He's not going to come there. I just said, okay, just to make him happy. <laughs> then I said, okay. And uh, one reason I said, okay, because he was Baha'i, and I really wanted to marry Baha'i, but I never thought I'm going to marry that time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so then I said, okay. Then I went home after... We never had date, dating, we never... Okay, now you, you you went home for a visit or did you finish your... I finished my course. I, fin- and how long of a course was that? One year. Okay. But I met him before 11 days, before I, like, you know, finished my... Oh, so it was 11 days before, before the my, end of the course? Yes. And, and so you only got to see each other 11 days and then yes. you went back to the village? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I never thought he's going to come back. Right. And believe it or not, he showed up. And that was a big surprise for me. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. I thought he will not, he will not come because yeah. I thought, he first of all, he has to get a special permit, permit to go come to Sikkim because mm. it's the border of India and China. Mm. They don't allow foreigners to go. And, but he got permission to come. So I guess I'm a little confused. Sikkim is a separate country? It was separate country before. From India. But the India took over. So it became India. After after this 
after what we're talking about now? Yes. So at the time, it was a separate country? No, no, no. The separate country from many, uh, it, it's, it's a part of India for many years. But you still needed a special permit yes. to go into that yeah. area, yeah. even though it was it, a part of India. Yes, it has own rules and regulations. Oh, I see. Sort it was like king. King was there before, so they they took the king out from the 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 thing. Then the Indian government took over. Oh, okay. okay. See, when I reached um, my home that night, my mom told me that uh, because in our culture, parents is the one who find the husband for you. So when I reached home, my father didn't tell me anything about anything. So my mom told me that, you know, that your dad and your uncles uh, looked a boy that you can get married. And I did not like that at all because I don't want, first of all, I did not, I did not, I don't want to get married. I, I told them I, I will never get married because of my family situation, my sisters and all these things. And I told them if I have to get married in future, I will just marry Baha'i. And because in our culture, you're Baha'i and you marry non-Baha'i, you have to be automatically your husband's religion. Mm -hmm. You have no choice. Mm -hmm. When my mom said that my father and my uncle already talked to somebody and I'll be, I'll be getting married. And I said, no, I said, I don't want to get married. And my mom said, yeah, then I don't know because that's the plan right now. Then I told my... I so told your mother my, was sort of your advocate in some way? Yeah, because, uh, uh, yes, I, I cannot, like, I cannot talk directly to my parent, father because mm. I was always scared to talk to him, but I was, uh, you know, it was easier for me to talk through my mother. So I told my mom, there's a one man, and he's Iranian, and he's a Baha'i, and he wants to marry me. Why didn't you tell my dad, father? So next day I went to school. I, I went to my dormitory that I, I lived there for many years. Oh, okay. Years. Right, 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 right. So then the next day I went and I told, my dad told my, um, my mom told my dad, and I went home. My dad said, you need to come home. So I asked permission of my principal, I went home. And my dad was so angry. Mm. And he told me that, we said, we gave you permission to go to Panchkani to study, not to find husband. And I told, I told him, did you pay for me? He said, no. I backmouthed him. I said, did you pay for me? He said, no. I went to Panchgani, my own money. I work hard, and I did everything for myself. I, I think it would be nice. If you want me to get married, I will marry Baha'i. And you know that. I told you from before. And he did not like at all. And he said, you have to you go and don't come, for, don't come anymore. I said, okay. I went. Then Bayer showed. My husband showed up. And, oh, Bayer's uncle, actually, he came from, he came to Sikkim. So Bayer, my husband told his uncle, why didn't you go to Sita's house and ask permission to marry? And I told his uncle, my father stopped talking to me. He said, two weeks, he's not talking to me. I think the answer is no. But Bayer said, just go and just talk. So he went to my parents. Bayer's uncle. Bayer's uncle went to my parents' house. My father said, uh, they didn't, my father didn't allow me to come inside when they were there. He said, in our culture, we respect guests. I respect you, and they made tea and everything, but I will not, make, I will not give my daughter to, to any foreigners or any other people. Then the answer was no. Then he went back. Again, twice he went, his uncle. My father said no. The third time, Bayer showed up, and I told Bayer, I told you, no. He said, he said, no, I cannot get married, so you have to go back. He said, come, let's go. So when, see, look, when we went there, whole village, because this thing knew, all of the people in my village knew what was going on. When I went down on my village, from people from up mountain till down mountain, they knew everything. They were looking all the, in front of my house, all the people were gathered in front of my house, to, you know, who is this person and all this. So, Bayer, in first of all, language, he didn't know, he, he doesn't know how to speak Nepali, and there was translator. So I told my translator, whatever bad thing my parents said, don't translate, you know, because sometimes they say something bad, and don't. So, so my translator was my best friend, so she translated what it was good. So Bayer told them that I, I want to marry your daughter and all. And, and in a culture, when you marry, you have to give dowry. You know, the daughter's parents have to give dowry. 
So Bear told them that my husband told them that he doesn't uh, he doesn't um, he doesn't require any dowries and all and all. Then, but my father said no. We respect you. We don't give daughter to foreigners. Then. We, he came back and we prayed together and he was supposed to come back to another, and the place he was like he was doing volunteering. Then my brother came and told me he my brother really like he like like the bayor and all. Mm -hmm. So he came and told me, you know, you have to because I I did not talk directly to my parents, my father. So he told if you want to marry because uh, if you see but my dad. You know our dad. He already saw the man, and he will tie your hands and legs and throw you in that house and that with that man. Oh, the, the one he chose. Yeah, he to, chose for to. you. So if you want, first of all, you didn't want to get married. If you want to get married, you just go directly and tell him from your mouth, not mother, not from me, not from the people, not from mother. So I said okay. So I said, became brave. I said I'm going to tell him. So I went. And I told him, I told him that that I, I, if you want me to marry, because first of all, I did not going to get married, but if you want me to marry, I want to marry Baha'i. And he said, um, but you know, like we already talked to those people. I said, sorry, you know, you could have asked me, and you know my decision. I said, I will not, I don't want to get married at all. I, I want to be single all, all my life, but if you really want me to get married, I will marry Baha'i. And I had no feeling about Bayard that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, so I I just say yes to Bayard just to, you know, just to make my parents happy. Right. Then my father said, are you sure you really? I said, yes. Otherwise, I will not get married. Don't even think about marrying. If I want to marry, I will just marry Baha'i. And don't think about those people you already chose. I'm not going to get married. So they know because I was very stubborn from childhood and he knew that when I say something, I'll do it. Then he said, okay, you go and call your uncle and because in our culture, uh, they don't require women. He didn't say, I will talk to your mom. He said, I'll talk to your uncles. Uh. So you go call your uncles. So I called my uncles. They said, um, okay, they were not really happy because my uncle was very sad because he actually, he chose the boy for me. Uh. And my father said, okay, because his brother said. So he was not happy, but, you know, and he said, okay. And then within two days, we didn't have engagement, nothing. Then within, uh, after two days, we came to another city and we had a Baha'i wedding. My parents said, I can have Baha'i wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, so your whole family came to the wedding? And no. Why not? My, it was so hard for my parents to travel. Because um, they live in small village and they didn't want to come. By my, but my brother came with us. Mm -hmm. Then, then after five months, we went back and we had um, uh, another wedding. My parents called, yeah. and that time I realized when when my parents invited all the village people, you know, you have to invite everyone. There were like five hundred people. They're feeding. The food is always there. Music, everything, but. We didn't allow them to serve the um, alcohol because we don't do that. So at that time, I realized that none of my father and mother's family came for the wedding. And I asked, they didn't tell me anything, then asked my mom. They said, because we said yes for you to get married with is a, an Iranian, which is Muslim. You know, yeah. They don't know, they think Baha'i religion is Muslim religion, mm -hmm. Muslim religion, so, which is not. But they believe that. And then I realized my uncle, my aunt, none of my mom's family and dad's family talked. They, did, they stopped talking for two years. Oh, my God. Yeah. They didn't talk. They, they have no relationship. Coming and going, coming with like, like they used to be before, they had no, no relationship like that. Wow. Then when I went 2000 to see my parents, and my mom, my mom said, don't go to your uncle's house because they don't talk. I said, I don't care. I'll go and say hello. So I went, I showed him in the store, he was there and he was like, and Bear was there, although thank God he didn't understand Nepali, he would, my uncle scolded me first of all, and he said, let's go to, I don't want to scold you in the store, let's go to other place. I went there, and he said, because of you, my, our relationship with your dad is bad. I said, what did I do? Can you tell me what did I do? Did I kill anybody? Did I come and ask money from you? Did I, do you, like, did my husband hit me? Like, in our culture, there's always, you know, husband hitting their wife, not treating them well. 
He's, he don't do those things. What did I do wrong? Can you tell me one thing you think that I did wrong? I said, because you married somebody. I said, you, you, want me, like you wanted me to marry somebody who can hit me every day? Or like, you know, come drunk and not allow me to do what I like, you know, like work and everything? And he didn't say anything. Then I took Bayer. I, they didn't talk, talk, the, my uncle and aunt didn't tell me to come to their house. I went there. I took my children. I went there. And they, now they love Bayer so much. And Bayer was, you know, he understood or not. He made them laugh. And, and they, now they loved him. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. So my parents loves Bayer more than me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out good. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Where did you go after you got married? Where did you live after you got married? Uh, we lived in Panchkani. It's um, the place, um, the behind Institute is there. I worked Where you and Bayard met? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we worked there in the behind Institute. For how long? Um, I was there for three years. Three? I worked there for three years. And then you left? Yes. And why was that? Because... Uh, uh, Bayer, Bayer didn't get visa to stay in India. Mm. Uh, he got only for six months. Then I, it took me two and a half years to get visa for me. So after three years, I think I came here. Okay. Was Bayer's family in the United States? Yes. I see. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when you came, you came to Holyoke? Yes, I came direct to Holyoke uh -huh. because my mother-in-law live here. And at some point, you decided to start school? See, when I was working in Sikkim as a teacher, and um, they have a, there is one private school you can uh, go and study. There's only one private, but it will cost lots of money. Mm -hmm. But I applied for 12th grade. Then I gave exam, and I don't know how, but I passed. <laughs> then when I came here, from I really, really, really wanted to go to college from childhood, because my house was very close to college, and I used to cry um, I, why I didn't go to college, but I, my parents couldn't afford it. So then when I came here, then I found out so that I can go to college here. And like in a culture, when you're married, when you have children, uh, you cannot like, you, if, you, if you're rich or you're high standard, then only you can go to college as you married people. But I was not like that, and I really wanted to go, you know, at least go to college. That was my childhood dream. When I came here and I found out and said, you give me a try, like I gave a try and I did it. <laughs> Very good. You went to school part-time while you were raising up. Uh, first, I, one year I did an ESL class. Mm -hmm. Then then I, I applied for um, early childhood. And this is at Holyoke Community College? Holyoke Community College. Mm -hmm. I have associate degree in early childhood education. And then, And now you're teaching? Yeah, I teach now. Yes, what's that like? Very, I love it, and I, I really like, love to work with children from childhood, mm -hmm. and which is very good. And uh, what school are you teaching at? I teach in, it's a private preschool um, daycare center called mm -hmm. Brighter Beginnings. It's, um, she has two, one is in Holyoke, one is in South Hadley, mm -hmm. but I work in Holyoke one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, someday you want to do more education? I would love to go for more, but I don't know when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll return to our conversation with Sita Ruhi after a short break. You're listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. <laughs> Service to me is any activity that is performed in the spirit of benefiting others uh, for their common good. And this is to me like worshiping God, which is our purpose. Forgiveness is about opening your heart and acknowledging that we are all human and sometimes make mistakes. Forgiving gives us an opportunity to cleanse our spirits because in the process, we let go of resentment, anger, and hostility, all ungodly sentiments. 
By forgiving, we replace these emotions with love, tolerance, and acceptance. Sometimes we forget that while it is important to forgive others, forgiving ourselves for our errors and shortcomings is just as important. I know that's where I have trouble. When I truly forgive myself for a mistake I made, it allows me to heal, to grow, and become my true spiritual self. Everyone knows what it's like to be a teenager. It's a time when anything that anybody says to you or about you will stay in your brain forever and make you overanalyze yourself for hours on end, especially if it's something the least bit critical, which is why tactfulness is so important. It's okay if you don't like something, and it's okay if you want to voice that, but do so with tact and save us a couple hours of overanalyzation. perspective. I'm Warren Odestulet, your host. We've been listening to a conversation I had with Sita Ruhi, a Baha'i from Holyoke who grew up in a little village called Sikkim in India. I concluded our interview by asking Sita what her life would have been like had she not run into the Baha'i faith. I tell you, it is. Like, if I would not become Baha'i, my life would be miserable because I was very independent. I always thought uh, I was always against something. I don't know why. I always against going to temple. I was always against people treating, not treating me good. Uh, I always thought that, you know, God will never see our color. God will never see our caste. God will never see our money. But uh, it was not like that. Always, wherever I went, I felt rejected by people. I felt that um, people don't treat me right. And if I would not become Baha'i, that thing would always stand in my head. And I would never be, um, I would always think myself that that's a culture or, you know, uh, that's God-made thing. I should not uh, go forward, something like that. But once I became Baha'i, it opened my mind. It's not a God-created thing. Okay, I can be educated if I want to be because I'm, I'm not, uh, it's not like because I'm not rich or I'm not a, my caste is not high. Before I used to think uh, I cannot go to college because I'm not rich. I cannot go to college because my, uh, I'm not a high caste. But when I became Baha'i, it totally changed. I, then I found out myself I can do it if I want to. In Baha'i faith, I found whatever I think I can find there, and I really believe in equality between men and women. I really believe there is only one God, and God don't see the color of money or what caste you are, you're raised. And uh, Baha'i faith believe on that. We don't have caste, we don't have, you know, we don't see money, we see people's heart. And that I believe from childhood, and that's why I became Baha'i. If I would not become Baha'i, I would never think that way because I probably I would think, oh, God made me this way because my parents always used to tell me that, oh, God made you lower caste. God doesn't allow us to go to college because uh, God made us poor and poor people don't go to college. Mm -hmm. Poor people have to work. Mm -hmm. that, that's my parents used to tell me. You cannot go to your friend's house because they are like, you know, they are Brahmins. They don't allow you to come inside the house. If you go, God is going to get upset. Something like that. Now, when you went back in 2001, did you still feel that your parents thought that way? You know, like, so, so amazing thing. When I went back there, there's so many, you know, our neighbors is full of Brahmins people. I was surprised that they told me that can you bring your husband and you and your children come to my come to our house for tea and all and it was I I felt very like that's that's why I told before that they did not respect me who I was they respect me because I live here because I live here that's why they thought I, it's it's okay and my children look beautiful I don't know they look beautiful and they speak English 
So maybe because of that, they told me to come to their house, bring my children out. But they didn't tell my parents to come. And what I told, you know what I told to them? I told, if you really want to meet my husband and children, you have to come to my parents' house. Mm. Tell me when you're coming. Uh, these people, they don't, if, I, if my parents make tea and give, they, they don't drink because we count as, a, we, they treat us as a untouchable. They don't even come inside our house. But they were telling me to come to their house with my husband and children. And that's why I, I, I thought maybe they, they respect me because I, li- I, I'm mm-hmm. from, I come from right. the United States. Right. So I told them, if you really want me to you meet my children and husband, why don't you guys come? They didn't come. Mm. And I, I don't care. Right. I didn't care about them. Mm-hmm. And my parents, and my parents told me, oh, that's not nice. They invited you, you have to go. I, I told my parents, I want people to respect me who I am. I don't want people to respect me because I live in the United States and I speak English, my children speak English, and they have like white skin and Azad has white skin. They would come and take Azad here and there, you know, because he he is a little bit white and all. I said, I don't want them to feel that. I want them to respect me who I am. Mm. I want them to respect me like I'm from this village and I'm from this background. I want them to respect that. I want them to respect you because you are my parents. I don't, I don't want them to respect me and don't respect you. Mm-hmm. If they want to come, they can come to my house, your house. Mm-hmm. I told them that. Mm-hmm. They knew. They know me. I'm very stubborn and they know I, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in our conversation, Sita had said she would chant prayers both during Hindu services and at the Baha'i school in her village. I asked her if she would chant a prayer for us. Hey, sure. Meri atma ko navasfurti tatha prafulata pradhan kar Meri riday ko nirmal kar de Meri manash ko prakashit kar de May abhor adik dukhi tatha shoka kul na rahunga Na abhor adik chinta grasta rahunga Aur na hi soyam ko kasto dwara Uttapirit ho ne dunga May jeevan ki apriyavastho ki or Apna man na lagaunga He ishwar tu mujh par Mujh se bhi adik dayalu hai Or he naat May swayam ko tere charno me समर्पित करता हूँ समर्पित करता हूँ हे नाथ मैं स्वयं को तेरे चरणों में समर्पित करता हूँ समर्पित करता हूँ God, refresh and gladden my spirit, purify my heart, illumine my powers. I lay all affairs in my hand. Thou art my God and my refuge. I will be no longer be sorrowful and grieved. I will be a happy and joyful being. O oh God, I will no longer be full of an anxiety, nor will I, I will trouble harass me. I will not dwell on the unpleasant things of life. O oh God, Thou art my friends to me then. I am to myself. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sita Ruhi from Holyoke. If you want specific information on the Baha'i faith itself, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. 
or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join us next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
city And the heart And the mountain And the refuge And the cave And the valley And the land And the sea And the You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station.